How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. On today's show, we've got one of my new best friends, Pasha Esfandieri. He's the founder and CEO at Evoke Capital. I know another real estate and finance guy, but there's more. Before he started Evoke, Pasha was a professional poker player, and his brother, Antonio, is one of the better-known poker players in the game. What's really fascinating is how Pasha uses many of the same winning strategies he used in poker to win at life in finance, in real estate, and all of his investments. Talk about the shit you don't learn in college. This dude is awesome. In this episode, we're gonna dig into how a $1.4 million poker win changed him, his brother, and his family's life forever, the life lessons from being a professional poker player and how it helps him be successful moving forward, why one of the most important things that we can do to be successful is think deeply about our own death. WTF, right? And how you can train yourself to be an entrepreneur no matter who you are. No, now don't forget, we only spread this message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book, available now. All right, all right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today yeah. we've got my new best friend, Pasha Esfandieri <laughs> on. Pasha, welcome to the show. Hey, man. I'm happy to be here. I think this is going to be awesome. I think this is going to be a fun one. I don't know what we're going to get into, uh, but I am very excited. Now, now, Pasha, you've got a, a really cool background um, in poker. Now you now you have a, a, a firm where you raise money, raise capital, help mm-hmm. people uh, essentially build financial freedom through real estate investment, which is really cool as well. So I'm, I'm going to want to get through the whole process of how you got from point A to point B. Um, and I, I already talking before we started, you know, hitting record, there's a lot of cool things in between, I'm sure. Uh, but maybe let's just start with, you know, let's just start from the beginning. Uh, let's start with, let's start with you as a kid. Tell me about you (laughs) as a kid. How, how did that get, you know, how did this all become, you know, you make a lot of money, you have a lot of fun. What type of kid were you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, that is an interesting question. Um, it really depends on what stage of my life as a kid is that you're referring to, right? Yeah. Because I definitely went through waves. My my upbringing in general wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Um, wasn't good, was pretty depressed as a, a child. But in the moments that I wasn't, I would say about eight and before, I, I was very active and very goofy, class clown kind of type of energy. Yeah. Um, and then after eight, it was it was... It was kind of like dark and 
depressing and then for a while. So, you know, it really kind of depends. I was, I will say though, like in, in school, um, I was always a class clown. Yeah. There's, there's just like the, like I always go for the cheap laugh and mess with the teacher. That's kind of who I was. I was, I was that guy too, by the way. Um, yeah, were, were you, were you financially well off as a kid or, you know, is this, were you, did you always have money or is this? Hell no. Yeah. No, no, not at all. My my father <laughs> um immigrated here when we were we were children. Yeah. And we we lived at our grandmother's our my grandmother's house. Um and he worked odd jobs and he gave up everything he had in, in Iran to move us here. Yeah. Um and you know, he had a really great paying job there. He had his own factory with some partners out there. We had everything. He gave it up to go work as like a host and then like a manager at restaurants. And you know, he really just like would would leave at like seven in the morning, come back at eight p.m. because he's working two jobs. And, yeah, you know that that kind of like whole immigrant story really was prevalent in our lives. Do you think? Do you think seeing that had some impact on you and your future and how you ended up turning out to be? Hell yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. There was just always something inside of me that I always knew that I would be successful, or, or I was. I felt like I was always destined for something more. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I did have this internal like, I have to make something of myself and I have to prove everybody wrong. And my brother got the same thing, by the way, too. Which, which, yeah. Um, mine started a little later because I was like very lazy, uh, very insecure up until about, you know, 21. And then even from 21 to 25, I, I wouldn't call myself a go-getter. I, I knew how to make money and I knew how to you know, use my brain, but I wasn't like a super disciplined and had this creative plan to make a lot of money. So I really would say that I started taking my life seriously at twenty age twenty five. That's I think that's pretty much every guy in <laughs> yeah probably the history right? of the world. I think I was about twenty seven. I was like, I should probably get my shit together and do something with this, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Right when I turned twenty five, I was like, man, I, I gotta I gotta get my life together <laughs> for sure, and that's where it all started. I, I like that. When so, at what point did you turn to poker? When was that? Yeah, I mean, so I love the title of the show because, you know, one of my biggest insecurities at, at some points in my life was that I never went to college. Yeah. I went for one semester. I dropped out very quickly thereafter. I just knew it wasn't for me. I am definitely just a more of a I am visual so runner. jealous of that, by the way. Like, I hear those <laughs> stories and I'm like, man, like, I, I wish I had that capability of just being like, nah, this isn't for me. I'm done. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, that always came from childhood. I, I guess I spent so much of my life not enjoying my life. So I just never, ever, even to this day, will not do anything that I don't enjoy. Yeah. Right? And so it just kind of stuck with me. Now it's like a superpower. And then same same with the leaving college. I mean, it, it I beat myself up for it. I, I compared myself to others only to realize later on I'm so grateful yeah. for my path. Yeah. Now that I've like, you know... <laughs> Yeah, now, now that you're down the line a bit and you look back, you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad that happened. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know? Yeah. So so you you quit college, you drop out of college, then what? Yeah. So then I I worked as a waiter, like like everybody does. I worked at like a, a internet gaming center. I was the manager for there. I was like a nerd, right? Um uh and then my brother ended up winning a poker tournament in 2004 when poker started getting really big. Yeah. Yeah. And he won 1.4 million bucks and he didn't tell any of us. He retired my father, which I think is the coolest thing. Shout out to him for that. Wow. And um, and then I said, well, essentially, if he could do it, I could do it. Right. <laughs> like Just the competitiveness uh, of our nature of that. And so and that's how I really started. I started o older playing. Older brother or younger brother? 
He has an older brother by five years. And it's just us. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, screw it. You know, like I see him do this. He just won 1.4 million. Let me give this a whirl. Started playing some, you know, little home games. I really started to enjoy it. I was naturally, I was just super aggressive at the game, which really, you know, tilted others. And so uh, it kind of just started from there. And it just, it, it kept snowballing. So I started playing when I was around 19, played a little bit more when I was 20. And when I was 21, I I went to a World Series of Poker because my brother was there, my dad, and I was like, let's go hang out. I had no inclination or, or desire to even really go and play these tournaments. I just wanted to be around my family. And yeah, yeah. Um, I turned $100 into 20 grand. And, and so I was like, all right, this is cool. Maybe there's something to this. Yeah. There's something to this. I quit my waiter job. I remember I took out all my friends to a big dinner and I paid for everything. They're like, who the hell are you? Uh, I obviously lost all of that 20K very quickly. That's but what I was happens like, you know when what? you're 21 years old and you go do shit like that. That's correct. And then um, and then I just started learning the game. I just started playing a lot, being really aggressive. Um, and uh, I started doing well, moved to Houston, started playing a bunch of games and, you know, traveled the world from 21 to 25 playing poker and enjoyed my life. But a lot of struggles is where there too, you know, there was, mo- there was a lot, a lot of nights I could say at least five or six nights where I've lost 150% of my net worth. Wow. You know, I went on tilt, was drunk, and I just, I lost everything and then some, and then I'd have to work myself out of a hole. And Lost 150% of your net worth. Oh, yeah. Many times. That, that gives many, that just gives me anxiety thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I would obviously now I'd be like, that's, <laughs> that's just monstrously stupid. But, yeah. you know, um, I was young, I was cocky. And, and, you, and you had a skill that you felt you could you could make it back. Yeah, I always knew that I could. Yeah. Uh, anytime I dug myself in a hole, because I, I have ADD, I know it's a lack of adrenaline to my brain. And anytime I like had to get myself out of the hole, I played the best poker. I, I crushed mm. it. I knew I could get myself out of the hole. I just had to play some more. And, you, you just, then, it didn't help when you had too many tequila shots beforehand. That was the only thing. Yeah, that's actually correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, so that's actually, I, I, I love this. Uh, as we're talking about, you know, poker five years, you had some big ups, you had some really big downs. What would mm-hmm. you say? Because you know, I think there's a lot of life lessons in that. What, what would you say are maybe like two or three of the biggest life lessons you learned? being legitimately a professional poker player that carried over as an entrepreneur and, you know, just being successful and happy in life moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been pretty even keeled about everything in my life. Right. So like anything that comes my way, business, not business. Um, I'm always pretty even keeled and logical and practical about it. I've, I learned along the way that long-term success (laughs) means you have to make the right move over over time compounded. So I'm I'm able to always think long term because of probably poker because even if you're let's say 57% favorite, I mean that's not the greatest odds, right? Yeah. The other person's 43% favorite to win. You still have to stick your money in. Like you still have to go for it cuz mathematically it's in your favor so you have to over keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again because you can't be focused on short term results. Now short term results do suck, right? But you just have to be focused on the long term. And so that really cares over. So everything I do in my life, the number one thing is I, I think 10 years from now, I don't ever think uh, like, hey, well, I'm going to do this one thing for the next in, in, in one year results. I'm just saying, how am I going to set my life up 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the yeah. line? I buy pieces of land for me and my family for 100 years down the line. 
because I know at some point that will get utilized. Time will run out. And so I just, I always think backwards. Like I know I'm going to pass away. I hope that doesn't sound morbid, but, but this is the way I live my life. And every 10 year increments, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I did that. Yeah. And that's the way I view my life. And then you, plus, you, I, you mentioned, I, you, you just hit on something, right? You said, you know, like, I'm going to die one day. It's like, I think that's actually a really important concept for everybody to understand. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and there's a, there's a book. I don't know if you ever read the book Tuesdays with Maury. Um, Mm -mm. but in that book, one of the things he mentions is like, it's, you know, it's a, uh, a man who's got, I I believe ALS and he's on his deathbed and he's talking about, you know, I think that one of the number one things I wish more people really understood was that they will die one day. We all, we all know it. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. we're going to die one day, but the moment that you accept that you're going to die one day, you start to live appropriately. Yep. You just gave me chills all over because I I've had this same conversation with so many of my acquaintances and friends that are also in, in, you know, business, in the same business I am and and the kind of the masterminds we're in. My dynamic with death is it's nothing I fear. I know it's coming, but because I know I'm going to die, I take risks knowing that. I live a life knowing that. Uh, I go for it. I live the life. I say yes or no based on that. I always work myself backwards. When I accepted the fact that I am going to die one day, things have become so much easier in my life. You know, so having that relationship with mortality is just like it's a, it's a game changer. Absolutely, um, yeah, I, I love that. Um, so you're you're a professional poker player. I think you said till you're 25. Is that right? Yes. So uh, 20, yeah, 25 and a half, 26. Okay, and then and then maybe too many slightly not sober nights playing poker. You're like, okay, I got to get my shit together and do something else. What what happened then? Yeah, I always knew that real estate was my end game. So when I turned 25, I, I moved from Houston to Las Vegas to be closer to my family. At about 26 years old, I went to this personal development course. It's, it's emotional intelligence. Yeah. And, it's, um, and so it had changed everything in my life. Everything. I just realized how shelled up of a person I was, how much social anxiety I had, how depressed I really was. It got me out of my shell. It got me to really live in my vision and outside of short-term results. It allowed me to let people into my heart. I ha- I met my wife during that time. I allowed her to, you know, go in really deep with me. Um, and so really the foundation of everything kind of happened was because of this personal development. Now back to like the whole 10-year thing. In that moment, so much was happening. I was learning so much. I knew that I, I could take what I learned in those three months because it's an intensive three-month course. I could then apply those results into my life and move forward. What I decided to do is uh, not to go achieve financial results or monetary results. I, I was going to start, I mean, it was the process started, but I decided for two years, I was going to be in personal development. Mm. So I did, I, I coached for many years. I went to every Tony Robbins that I could. I did literally everything I could to be in the work, to really train who I was on a subconscious level Yeah. to then get, accelerate my results for the next 75 years. Yeah. It's, it's like that, the, I think it's the Abraham Lincoln quote where he says, you know, I've got 10 hours to top, chop down a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. Yeah, just exactly like that. So it's such a beautiful quote. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. And along along the way, around around after about eight months, maybe a year, I got my real estate license. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be an investor. I also did a three-month internship for for somebody for free to just learn how to flip homes and buy them from the auctions. And I just gave my time away and, you know, basically did all the things that he didn't want to do. Um, and then so it, it took a little while after that. 
uh, after that training about six months or so that I went and bought my first mobile home in a mobile home park and I flipped it, made every mistake in the world, but still made $3,000. And then I was like, oh, there's something here, just kind of like previous. And then I said, this is exactly what I want to do. It's just kind of been, you know, lights out since. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things that you're, I think you're really emphasizing, which I think is so important in today's, I don't know, social media, microwave world, right? Everybody, everybody sees everybody else online and they're like, oh, they did, they got to this point in, in, you know, five months and this point in 37 minutes or I don't know. Right. And it's, it's all this like microwave solution. You want the magic, the magic, uh, shake the silver bullet, whatever it is. And, and so much of what you're talking to me about is like, you know, your true success is just because you just think longer term than other people. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's like that's the most boiled down version. Hundred percent, <laughs> it is. Is I think long term, and I make my decisions based on long term results. That's awesome. So you get you get into flipping, and obviously you yep. make some good money there. Um, and eventually you go and start a, a, a fund. Is that right? So what? How, how did yeah. that happen? <laughs> so I I flipped homes, uh, sight unseen from auctions in Las Vegas for many years. Then I moved to Los Angeles, flipped one home, and realized. There's too much competition here. I'm too small, the small fish in a yeah. big pond. In the area that I was in, I flipped my home. I said, hey, this this is a this is in the path of progression. I won't get into the details of why. So what I did is again, long-term results. Um, I bought all the land that I could in that area with the money I had. And I've been then developing on that land since I bought it about, you know, I want to say six and a half years ago. That area has quadrupled easily in yeah. price values on my land itself and my my deals. Like I was underwriting, let's say at nine hundred thousand for sell price, and now I'm under like underwriting my development deals at like one point nine million. Yeah. That's just kind of like what happened in the last five years. It's just ridiculous, right? Um, but as of about almost sixteen months ago, I realized that um, I do want to have a family, so I really do want to get passive income coming in, and I want to build a business that's bigger than myself. I want passive income. I want to grow this, and so my next step of the evolution was. I got into apartment complexes, bought a few, uh, bought a mobile home park, realized the mobile home park was doing better than all my apartment complexes. There's not a much as much competition, kind of like what I did with the development deals. And now I've decided to put all in, all of my focus into mobile home parks. And so what we've done is because I, I created the team and lead generation and I built out the business for myself personally, I don't want to stop it. So we syndicated four deals yeah. and then now realized to scale and to really diversify the way we want to be diversified because we go where there's less competition. We're starting, we're now about to launch a $15 million fund here in two weeks. That's awesome. And just get the capital to go bigger and go broader. Yeah. It also helps. It also helps us because all of the juice for us is on these smaller parks, secondary to tertiary markets, basically not main markets. And we're operating underneath institutional money. Yeah. And we're dealing with higher amounts for the regular investors. So we're dealing with parks that are about like $2 million to $6 million range. That's where we're finding all the juice. Like the yields are crazy. Yeah, we're dealing with mom and pop sellers. And not a lot of people are able to attack it as much as we are. So that's why we're creating a fund. It helps diversify all the markets that we're in. It helps diversify for all the investors for different properties that we're in. And, you know, Diversification is always a really good thing. So, yeah. if so, for anybody who's looking to get into you know building some some uh, passive income, some 
financial freedom through real estate investment. What do you say, like what, for, for anybody who's just like brand new, what do you say are some of the first steps that they need to take? Is it educating themselves? Is it a certain book Absolutely. they need to read? Is it just get out there and do your first thing? Like what's, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, you always, I think the foundation is always education, yeah. right? It's like, this is, that's what college is supposed to be, right? right? Let's refer back to that. That's yeah. what college is supposed to be, supposed to say. So just like the cool thing is now, even though, you know, social media and whatever people can talk about it, we're so interconnected now that you can learn all the, all the information is out there. So you can go learn, go educate yourself, go understand what's happening. And then I would say partner up with someone or get a mentor to really like that to me, like still that holds true better than anything else is go get a mentor. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's something that obviously, you know, we've been preaching for years, but, uh, um, one of my, one of my first mentors told me the best thing that you can ever do is find someone who's done what you want to do and go hang yeah. out with them, bring them value in some way, shape or form and, and, and have them help you figure out how to do it. And it's yeah. funny, if you look at school, if you look at the education system, you know, if you take that principle to the education system, well, you're learning from professors, not people who are doing the thing. It's like, I don't want to become a professor. I want right. to, I want to do the thing. So absolutely right. You know, I heard a real, someone said this the other day to me, I thought it was quite genius, especially in the real estate game or really kind of actually, actually really in any game that you're in, go find someone that's two to four years ahead of you. Yeah. Not someone that's like 30 years ahead of you because what they're going to talk they're, about. They're too far disconnected. It's just too far. But go find someone that's like two, three years ahead of you and, and just learn from them. Accelerate your results, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing. Now, now people don't want to like dedicate their time. I've had a hundred people say, I wanna, I wanna learn from you. I said, okay, come on. And like I've only had now two, two people like uh take me up on that. Yeah, which is crazy to me because I think again, I I don't know if this is the way that you feel about it, but I feel like a lot of people are still in that like microwave mindset. They're just like, I just I just want you to give me the results. Rather yep. than just like, okay, maybe I just need to hang out with you and absorb you as a human and the way you think, the way you believe, the way you act for six months, a year, two years yeah. before I can even have that skill set. If you take 100, 100 people, you're going to get about two or three who are going to become entrepreneurs and employ, employ the rest. That's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Some people are doers, some people are not. And you can. the cool thing is that you can train yourself to be and do whatever you want. Yeah. I think that concept that you just touched on, I think is really important. And, and, you know, to kind of balance those two, right. You just mentioned out of a hundred people, two or three will become entrepreneurs, right? Do you, you know, with what you also said, you also said, well, you can train yourself to do or be whatever you want. So do you think those two or three are just, you know, they're born entrepreneurs or do you think that if somebody decides they can be one of those two or three out of a hundred and just focus on learning it? Let me put it this way. No one is born an entrepreneur. No one is born that. almost anything. It is only because what we repeat in our patterns, in our minds, and what we think about, what we question, what we read about, it's everything that we put into our brain over and over again trains us to be the way we are. I had to train myself to be an entrepreneur. I had to train myself to be a go-getter. I had to train myself to be a hustler. Like, but it just it's also like with working out. You have to train yourself to love working out. Well, there was a this is a very stupid and simple one. I used to hate fish. Like I hated it, but I was working out a lot. I don't want to eat the same crap all the time. I had to train myself to love salmon. What I did is took every bite I took. I said, I love salmon. I love salmon with every bite. I kept repeating it. And now it's absolutely one of my favorite things to eat ever in the world. You can train that. yourself to be whoever the hell you want. 
I love you. So personal development is clearly a very big part of your life. And obviously it's been something that's allowed you to accelerate your success. What are like this? I think this concept is clearly one of them. You know, the ability to train yourself, you know, train that subconscious part of your brain, the 95% of our brain, you literally train yourself to like things, dislike things, behave a certain way. It's like a, it's a supercomputer in our head, yeah. right? Is there any, anything else that you think has been crucial for your success? For my success overall yeah. or like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm always be willing to go in deep. I mean, I think it's pretty cliche, but like if you're ever inauthentic with yourself, you're just lying to yourself, you're just going to get shit results, right? Like, and one thing I always talk about, and which just is such a simple concept is like, if you want different results, go do something different. Stop talking about you want this and you want that. But then I see people time and time again. Uh, and even in my close friendships is that they don't do something drastically that's different. Go why put why do you think up. that is? Why do they say they want X, but keep acting like Y? We're creature of habits. Yeah. That's who we are. It's kind of how we're programmed. Back to that programming. Yeah. We're, we're programmed to be creature of habits. We've, we're, by the time we're seven, right? We're 90% of our personalities already um, created. And then from then on, we're just reinforcing that same pattern over and over again, right? Like the best way to describe it is if you're in a classroom, we're adults, like I'm 38. If we raise our hand in a, in, in like a seminar or classroom setting, if we don't have the right answer, we're, we're still programmed from when we were a child. When we raised our hand when we were in kindergarten or first grade and everyone laughed at us, we made an emotional decision to never raise our hand unless we have the right answer. So who's really dictating your life? A five-year-old? Seven-year-old Xander. Exactly. Or an adult. Well, no, it's the child that's because we've reinforced that pattern. But once you identify those things, you can then force yourself to, to step into fear and all the things that all the personal development gurus talk about. Very cool, man. Very cool. <laughs> Uh, th this is the shit that I talk about all day. This is the stuff that I love. So I'm glad I'm glad we're digging into it from somebody else's perspective. So it's not yeah. just Xander talking about it all the time. <laughs> um, no, I love this stuff. So you, uh, this kind of brings me to one of the next things that I want to talk about with you is you have a dream to build a sustainable community development. And, yep. and I'd love to talk about that a little bit more because I, I think, you know, based on what I read, it's not just like sustainable living, but there is a lot of what we're talking about here, personal development. Uh, yeah. an understanding of holistic, the holistic wellness overall as well. Like talk to me about what that is. Yeah, sure. I mean, let me rewind to just a few years ago, two years ago, I'm at a dinner with a good buddy of mine and I'm telling him what my dream, he's asking about what my vision is. My, my end goal is to create these communities of essentially go and develop my own communities where it is a culture of empowerment, right? Because as capitalists, um, I want to be privately funded these things. When government gets in the way, it's slow, it's clunky, and it sucks, yeah. right? I've tried. I've gone down light tech route. I've tried to go down route. I was trying to build low-income housing in Las Vegas. We did a homelessness program in my motel that I have there. They It just sucks working with the government in every way, yeah. shape, or form. Sorry, I went on a little tangent, but it's just true. <laughs> they, just, they just suck at doing things efficiently. So uh, I have this goal and dream of creating these development communities where – I'm, I want to be attracting like working blue collar workers who want to get ahead in life. But the problem is in, in some of these low income communities, you have a, uh, a culture of disempowerment. Yep. You have no one teaching them education. A, you a, have culture, no, a culture of reliance almost and victim. Absolutely. Yeah. You also have, you, some, you, they feel unsafe in their homes. Their children don't have a place for a computer. They don't have tutors. They don't have all these things that we're, we're able to pretty much afford, but like we have the resources to do this. So for me, 
um, this this is my goal. So teaching them emotional intelligence, nutritional stuff, you know, offices, offering discounts off their rent if their kids get good grades, all these different programs to create a really impactful life and change the conversation within children. Because I want to treat the source and not the, the problem. Yeah. That they can get ahead and they 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 do have the confidence of like, you know what, I can change everything in my life because they've seen enough role models that I would bring in in, in free workshops for them to understand that, right? So this kind of light bulb went over my head. I said, oh, well, it seemed like such a daunting task. Is well, why don't you just start off small? Why don't you go buy some low-income housing? And I said, you know what? Holy shit, why not? Yeah. So I did. I bought a 74-unit low-income. Then I bought 180 like a month later. And then it's kind of been like lights out since. And now found a partner that I really love for Evoke and mobile home parks. But again, let's let's like fast forward to the, or backwards into that long-term scale. I know for me, if I build Evoke, which I'm going to always do, I've always wanted to do it, it's only going to propel what I want to do here on my communities. And so I'm I'm growing this and I knew that if I grow Evoke for five years and then build the business out, build all the systems, I can go then focus on this for the rest of my life as well too, which won't make me money. All I want it to do is to be able to make enough to replicate it in different cities over and over again. Yeah, it won't, it won't make I you money, I'm but it'll die. make you an impact that'll carry through. Yeah, I will make money elsewhere. Yeah. Like, in, and when you get to a certain point in your life, like money doesn't really matter. Like my lifestyle is not going to change anymore, right? So, so because we're going back to the death conversation, I know I'm going to die one day. I will regret it to like my core if I don't accomplish this, if I don't have at least 5,000 doors of families that I'm helping. So I don't care about making money. I just want it to be self-sustainable. That's it. I love that. Um, speaking of speaking of being on your deathbed at one point, I think you know based on this part of the conversation, I, I really do think I know the answer to this. But how would you know? It, I, I love what you said. Like you know, once you start to make enough money, it's like there is a there is a point of diminishing return where it's like, yeah, making you know double as much as I'm making now literally is not going to affect my my personal life and and my lifestyle one bit, right? Mm. So. It's not about money. Once you reach, I think there is a point where you pull yourself out of scarcity, and I do think that that is that is very real. Like there's a point when you stop feeling scarcity when you have enough money. But once you're beyond that, right, a, a lot of things change. So if that's the case, describe to me how you would define success in life. Then, ooh, um, you know, there's a lot of ones I could say. There's a lot of cliche ones I could say, but I'll say the one that rang the most true to me and gave me the the willpower to really hit it hard when i first started working this um, and getting into real estate and wanted to hustle is i i never wanted to be beholden to something i always wanted a life where i could do whatever i want whenever i want yeah. and that so it's the freedom aspect for me mm -hmm. that really drove me and now it definitely is saying, okay, now that we have this freedom, what's the next thing? It's just impact, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and to each their own. Everyone's different, man. You work hard. You should get rewarded. Don't be a dick. There's a lot of dicks out there. But the cool thing is, is that so many people that I'm meeting now have this mentality of what's the impact, right? And like we talk about it. It's an open yeah. conversation now with a bunch of the entrepreneurs that I know that are very successful. It's like, what's what's next? I always ask that question. Well, what's next? You have all this money. So what? What's next? What are you, you going to do with it? You can't, what are you going to do with it? Speaking of death, you can't take it with you. 
You can't die with it. Um, there's a great book. A really good friend of mine wrote it. Uh, Changed my life. Die, uh, Die with Zero by Bill Perkins. Nice. It is. It's a fabulous book to talk about like your income curve and when you should be spending the most and when you should be making it and all that. It's awesome. Oh, I love that. Um, all right. One last question for you, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap things up here. You okay. dropped out. Did you say your first semester, first year you dropped out of college? Yeah, first semester. First semester you dropped out of college. Obviously, the title of this show and my book being Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm always interested okay. you know, around like what, what do you wish would have been taught in college? Maybe like that first day when you went into your classes, like if you went into a class and this was being taught, you actually may have stayed. What do you wish? Emotional intelligence. I think I, if, if I, it could be one thing that I wish that could be taught and was a conversation to always be had was emotional intelligence. Can you, like, can you expand how, on that? What does that mean? I will. I yeah, have my meaning, emotion, but I'd love to know yours. Emotional intelligence is, is it's the ability to, to process your emotions, right? Like for, for the, for the example, like if you're angry, it's like, don't hide it, like, or hide it. Don't be a dick about it. <laughs> But be angry, like have enough intelligence about what your emotions are doing to you and to your brain and what they're signaling to you to say, hey, I'm angry right now. I need some space. Leave me alone. Because that's a good conversation to have. Then you can process it. You actually have to sit with your emotions to process it other than shoving them down. But like in society, you're not supposed to be able to cry. You're not supposed yeah, to show emotions those emotions. Yeah, emotions are weak. Emotions are, are not going to get you anywhere. Like shove it down. Forget about it. And, and, and there is no light without dark. There is no like anger without joy, right? Like all these different uh, dualities, you have to be able to feel these feelings. So really, because we're creatures of habit, we make almost every strong decision in our life in an emotional state. Tony Robbins always talks about that. Because we make all those emotional decisions in emotional states, we need to understand what the emotions are doing to us to be able to process these emotions, to understand that something's coming out of anger or it's your, your body's getting triggered in a certain way because you're, you're stuffing down an emotion that hasn't come out. So it's really how to process your emotions so that you're able to be a better version of yourself. That's so, it's so funny because we think of society as a whole. Right, society as a whole is a very intellectual driven society. We're, we're driven on intellect and logical understanding as a society. But just like you mentioned, pretty much all of our decisions are actually emotional. Yeah. And we're never taught yeah. how to handle our emotional operating system. We're taught how to handle our intellectual operating system, but we're never taught mm -hmm. how to handle our emotional operating system. We will advance mankind through our logical processing of our brain and, and to get ahead, but we will enjoy our lives because of the emotions we live. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Uh, dude, Pasha, where can, where can people learn more about you, about Evoke? How can they get involved in your world and everything you're doing? Yeah. I mean, you can always just go to my website, www.evokecapital.net. Um, I, I never really post on LinkedIn, but I swear I'm going to start. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but LinkedIn at Pasha Sfandiari. Um, and then if you always just message me, I, I usually always respond. Beautiful, man. I love it. Thanks for the time today. I know our audience is going to get a ton out of this one. We went a lot deeper than just making a little bit of money and investing in real estate. Uh, so this has been an absolute pleasure, man. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to grab your number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now as well. Basha, thanks, man. This has been great. This has been awesome. Thank you, buddy. 
All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.